her strength, her humanity, and her guarded humour. How did she fight? She fought well. I hope someday to be able to look the public in the face as Louisa Lawson, not as the mother of a man. For somebody to please build a statue. Louisa Lawson is a daughter of Mudgee who deserves to be celebrated. Sickness, sorrow, death, disgrace. All of these I have to face. Pain of body, fret of mind, poverty with bread to find. Restless day and sleepless night, dread of darkness, fear of light. Not a soul to care for me, not a friend on earth but thee. Thou too hast a frightened stare, neath thine eyelids unaware. And like him who raised the dead, hast not where to lay thy head. But because thou lovest me, for thy sake I'll fight us free. From this deadlock of despair, from this hell to heaven, I swear. Hi, I'm Jess Scully and welcome to another episode of More Than a Mother, my ever-expanding love letter to Louisa Lawson. And as the weeks roll on, I find more and more reasons to love this incredible, remarkable woman who spent many of her 72 years on this earth making the world we walk in better. We started off this week's episode with another one of Louisa's poems read by Chris Mills, A Light in Darkness. Very fitting, because today on the podcast, we are talking about a dear friend of Louisa Lawson's, a guiding light in their fight for women's rights, women's suffrage, and blazing the trail for women in Australia. My special guest this week is one I'm so excited to have join me, a man by the name of Peter Windia, who is many worlds colliding in this little story of Louisa Lawson, the postmistress from Urundri. Peter is a relative of a dear friend of Louisa Lawson. He was also one of the legendary Rotary Club members who was on the committee to build a statue of Louisa Lawson. I'm not going to spoil anymore. Let's just jump straight into the chat. Joining me on the podcast this week is Peter Windia, a member of the Rotary Club, the bunch of legendary men who put this woman on a pedestal, who has his own very special connection to Louisa Lawson. Thank you for joining me, Peter. Pleasure. I'm so thrilled to have you. Could you please tell me about your relatives and their connection to Louisa? Sure. I'm going to talk about Lady Mary Windia. Now, Lady Mary Windia was the wife of William Windia, so he became Sir William Windia. He was a did law. He ended up becoming a judge in the New South Wales court. He was also a politician with Henry Parks at time. And the thing about William Windia was that he was very conscious of what was happening with women. And if any man damaged a woman or did something untoward towards her, then he was sudden death in his courtroom. Now... (laughs) What a champion. Sorry. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, Mary, his wife, was very pro the betterment of women. And she was on many committees. But the thing that we're talking about with Louisa is that Mary became the first president of the Women's Suffrage League of New South Wales. Yeah. And when that was established, 
Louisa was asked to join the board of it, which she did, or the council, I should say, it was. So she did that. Now, because of this connection, because both those women were very strong in uh, promoting women and women's suffrage, women's rights and everything like that, because of this connection, the two of them then became quite close and with working together as well. Now, going back to William, William had the ear of Henry Parks, and this, of course, helped to establish women's rights and then eventually to get the women's right to vote in 1902. Amazing. Mm. One of the things that I've come back to on the podcast a couple of times is that Louisa was able to achieve so many things as an island. She was by herself a lot of the time. And I've said on previous episodes, if she only had like a community behind her, because when she did, she was able to achieve amazing things. And Mary, being one of her very good friends, it's really amazing to be able to speak to somebody who was related to her. Mm. Do you think that it was a chicken or egg kind of situation with William and Mary? Do you think William was influenced by Mary's fight for women's rights or do you think that they kind of found each other because they both felt this way? I think that Mary was always into women's rights because later on when they had their family, their fifth daughter, Margaret, then shared her mother's passion for getting women's rights in all sorts of things. Margaret also belonged to the Louisa's Lawson's Dawn Club, which we all know about, and she issued invitations to have meetings in her parents' home of the Women's Literary Society, which was formed because of the Dawn Club. And that then became the nucleus of the later uh, Women's Hood Suffrage League. So we've got those two connections in there with Louisa, with my family. That's amazing. And so you would have known about this family history before Chris came to the Rotary Club and said, let's build a statue of Louisa. Oh, yes. Yes. So when you're like, hang on, that's my cousin, auntie's friend. Yeah. <laughs> Let's that, do it. That's right. I didn't know about this connection with Louisa, though, with Mary. It was only when we started this that I then was able to put two and two together and get the information together that uh, the two of them were actually colleagues in this fight to get uh, women's rights and so forth. What was that feeling like when you realised that this part of your family history was so entwined with this woman that you were about to celebrate by building a statue for? Well, I joined the committee, of course, because well, I, because I was the president at the time, or the incoming president when we first got this going. But then when I did some more research, I thought, right, so I've got this connection uh, through my family with Louisa Lawson, which makes it even more special for me to have this statue now in Mudgee from where she comes from. So what, you did explain it to me before that William is your second cousin twice removed. Yes. How does that work? I'm I'm still (laughs) trying to do the mental maths of it. Okay, two brothers came to Australia in in 1826 and then 1838. It was Charles and Archibald. I'm descended from Archibald Wendia. Archibald's son was John. Charles had a son, Richard. They are first cousins. Then Richard's son is William. 
and John's son is Archibald, my, who is my grandfather. They were second cousins. So that's where the cousinhood then, then has to go into remove situations. So then my father, John, is a second cousin once removed and I'm a second cousin twice removed. Right. You saw the, the cogs turning in my brain while you were explaining <laughs> that then. So, yeah, essentially it's it's the cousin of your grandfather. Is yes. That, yeah, yes. okay. That's mm. and, and he was this amazing man. Do you think he got into the legal system to achieve what he did as a judge? His father, Richard, was also a solicitor. So maybe it was, uh, you know, father follows son. I I don't know the history of that, Mm. but he was amazing with what he did at at that time. I said before, I I don't necessarily think that maybe that extreme idea of of punishment, but we've gone too far the other way. There's too many things that are slipping through the cracks in the legal system now in relation to the way women are treated. I don't know, maybe we need a little bit more of William Windia in in the legal system. I can't be sued for this podcast, surely. Do you think that with William, I guess at the end of the day, I don't understand how you have men in the world who have a beautiful wife and they don't want to see them flourish and how you could be married to somebody and you wouldn't want them to have rights or you could be married to somebody and you don't want to support them in their endeavours. Do you think that William brought that into his work because of his love for his wife? Maybe. Maybe he did. I don't know. Because she was a very... She would have been a very strong woman Mm. at that time. But isn't it... I mean, my philosophy is it's like the bird. If you love a bird, let it go. If Mm. it flies away... It was meant to be. If it comes back to you, it was meant to be. Yeah. If you so, love something, you've got to you've got to let it do what you, it needs to do. You've got to let it do what it needs to do. And if you, I, I cannot understand. I mean, this is getting off the point a bit, but <laughs> but I cannot understand why a man wants to control his wife. Yeah. It is the most ridiculous thing because. If you both go off and do your own thing and then you come back together again at the end of the day or the end of whenever, then you've got your experiences together. Yeah. You're richer mm. for it. You've yeah. got to let people spread their wings. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't understand it either. And yeah. we're not the type of people that, that mm. I'm talking about in relation mm. to that. You see mm. it often of that mm. wanting to stifle mm what's there and it doesn't make any sense to me it's really refreshing because this time period that we're talking about in the 1800s and early 1900s it wasn't necessarily a time where women's rights it was kind of like an undercurrent of society they were having to meet not necessarily in secret but in sometimes it was yeah and for mary and williams house to be a safe place for the dawn club to be able to be held that's an incredible thing absolutely in those days. Mm. it almost would feel like you wouldn't know who to trust mm. in that time especially while you've got the upper classes which they were a part of mm. wouldn't necessarily be campaigning for those that are oppressed because they've benefited from it so mm. that's a really nice thing to think of being so far ahead of the curve and just being on the right side of history long before that was the norm yes so louisa had the dawn club and margaret was part of that one and and held meetings for that Mm. i know that mary also came to mudgee didn't she mary came to mudgee in 1895 and she spoke at the mechanics institute 
which upstairs in the Mechanics Institute, for the older people around Mudgee, they will remember that that was the Mechanics Institute was the social hub of Mudgee. <laughs> <laughs> where was it in town? It, to... It's where the uh, Perry Street Hotel is. Okay. It's been converted from the Mechanics Institute. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And upstairs, it had the ballroom, yep. and they used to have the all sorts of dances up there, the picnic races dances and the and the uh, debutantes dances and so forth, and it had a sprung floor in it yeah. as well. Okay. Which is interesting. That's a beautiful building. Yes. Yep, that makes a lot of sense to me now, it, yeah. It, it does, yes. And anyway, oh, and another thing with the Mechanics Institute, this is an aside, but William was one of the founding people who established the Mechanics Institute in Sydney and he was its first president of that. Wow. Yeah, which again, the Mechanics Institute is related to, they were established for the education of everybody. That was their initial reason for being established. Brilliant. So again, it was not only the women he was interested in, it was the people, everybody within society to become educated, which is so important anyway. Oh, for sure. Hmm. But there was a bit here in relation to that reported in the Sydney's Evening News. I will read it. Lady Windier addressed a crowded meeting in the Mudgee Mechanics Institute on Monday night on womanhood suffrage under the auspices of the Women's Christian Temperance Union. Mary, Lady Windier, was a leading activist in women's causes. Her husband was Sir William Charles Windier, a prominent judge and politician. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And Mary was this kind of, I guess, a firecracker of a woman. Like, she had the same kind of biting sarcasm that Louisa did, and no doubt that's probably something that they really relished in together. There was another article that was from the Bathurst newspaper you yeah. shared with me earlier. Yeah, from the Bathurst newspaper, which was, it was in 1896, entitled Womanhood Suffrage, an interview with Lady Windia. And within that, she says, amongst other things, she says, as to the relative fitness of man and woman to vote, I think you will find that if you only give the franchise to those who are really fit for it, you will have to disenfranchise about three quarters, if not more, of the men. <laughs> <laughs> so then she goes on to say, perhaps when women get the vote, they will not want to go into the house but even if they do, how absurd are all the pictures of all the homes in the land left desolate while women are away attending to their legislative duties? Supposing that every member of both houses was a woman, how many would be absent from their homes? Not 200. The fact is, you men seem to be afraid of women. It is very amusing to notice how you tremble at the thought of giving us any power. <laughs> so she told it how it was. But, but that's, in a nutshell, that's what it was. They were scared that these women who had held the fabric of society together for years and years and years and had been doing this unpaid, thankless work for years and years and years that had held Australia together, heaven forbid you give them a little bit of power. Mm. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mary and Louisa were quite good friends. And when Mary left the 
suffragettes in New South Wales. Louisa actually followed suit. With she followed well. suit, yes. Yeah. She was horrified that her friend, Mary Windia, would leave the organisation because of the ideas they were trying to push forward. Because the ideas weren't, were kind of stepping away from what the entire purpose of the, yes, the yes, league was yes. for. It was a single purpose organisation and the committee wanted to introduce other issues in with it. Mm. Mm. Which seems counterproductive because at the end of the day you can bring in those issues once you actually have the right to vote. Mm. That's one thing that I think Michael Burke mentioned of Louisa having the patience and also the ambition and the right balance between the two of them to know what... She had everything in perspective Hmm. from the get-go. So the idea of, like, deviating from what the entire purpose of the Suffragette League um, or the Womanhood Suffragette League of New South Wales, Hmm. deviating from the plan would just make things murky. Hmm. You just need to have a clear position of what you're trying to achieve. Hmm. Otherwise, it all falls over. Yeah, that's right. And I read in that Mad Louisa by Richard Handley a couple of times that Louisa was comforted to have the Windias present at Dawn Club meetings and things like that because she knew that she at least had a friend in the crowd, which is really quite something. Oh, it's really good, really great. Yeah. 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 Um, So when Chris came to the Rotary Club with the idea to do this statue for Louisa Lawson, what was it like around the table? I would say that, well, like anything, there was there was discussion and so forth. And but at the end of it all, they said, "Well, what are we doing this for?" But then at the end of the discussion, most people agreed with it, yep. which was excellent. And so that's when we kicked off from there. Jory Ryan said that she feels that the statue, there's. Naysayers will say, what's the point in building a bronze statue of a woman in this day and age? Especially people get caught up in the like, why focus on this when there's other problems? Or Her suggestion was is that it serves the purpose of when any young child walks down the street, they know that one person can make a difference. Mm. Mm. And I think that's really, that's the answer. That is the answer. And... There are very few people in history who are like that. And so why not promote this particular woman? You know, because she just did so much for promoting the cause and and she was successful with it. Mm. Mm. And she did so many things in addition to that. So mm. we've talked about education a little bit before of yeah. just educating women in mm. their homes with the dawn. Yeah. Being able to give them, you know, the cure for bed bugs in their house mm. or the a recipe for them to make for their families and just helping women along the way with the little bits and pieces that she's accrued over time, mm. that education. And even that in itself is as much of an accomplishment for her to have a statue created mm. for her. But she did so many things mm. for women, for men, for migrants, for the legal system, for for Australia, Mm. one person can make a difference. Absolutely. But one Mm. person also needs their team and their crew (laughs) and people on their side, and thankfully she had that in the Windias. She did. Is there something about Louisa that has surprised you in finding about her story? 
Well, I suppose the thing that surprised me was how energetic she was with so many causes. Margot has put forward the statue with her sitting on 19 books, of which on the spine of it is written what she was working for and what her achievements were. And, you know, you just... There are very few people who would have achieved that much in their lifetime. Yeah. But she just got into it and she did it. Yeah. She was um, she was an amazing person in that respect. And to think where she came from and, you know, what might have happened to her, it was just... The other thing, too, which you probably know, is that it was... With Henry's poetry, nobody would publish it. Mm-hmm. You heard that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was in the dawn that was the first publication of Henry's work. And if it hadn't been for the love of a mother for her son, we would not have had Henry Lawson. We may not have had Henry Lawson's works. It almost seems ironic that she was such a driving force in getting him published and putting that mm. out into the world and celebrated that she eventually just became Henry Lawson's mum. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. doesn't seem fair, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Is there something that in finding out about Louisa's story that has inspired you to take in to the future in your own life? I come from a family of very strong women, I've mentioned before. And at the same time, I have got three daughters and it was just part of their education that they would have tertiary education because... If anything went wrong in the future, well, then they would always have that education to fall back on. And I just think it is so important for women to be educated. In fact, it is more important for women to be educated than men because women are the first teachers of their family. Yeah, they are. Mm. And if you have uneducated women raising children, then you have got uneducated children. Mm. It's the first line of defence we have for a stronger generation, don't we? Absolutely. And it is so important that education is the keystone of our society. I agree. Thank you so much, Peter, for your time. Pleasure. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I'm just a little bit in love with Judge William Windial. Look, it might have been a little heavy-handed, but I feel like we've gone way too far in the opposite direction. A bit of a side note, I'm a fan of NRL which often feels pretty conflicting as a feminist. And I'm sure that Louisa would have many a think piece in the dawn in this day and age if she was still around. And it's not just in sport, it's prominent media figures, it's everyday people harming women and getting a slap on the wrist. Louisa fought so hard for the rights of women to flee domestic violence. She opened the first women's refuge at the offices of the dawn. And I think she would be disgusted to know the state that we live in right now where prominent figures in Australia are allowed to be on TV, are allowed to continue with their sport and brushed away from committing the most heinous of crimes against women with just a, oh, boys will be boys. I don't swear on this podcast, but let me tell you, I'm asserting a lot of self-control right now. And I think she would be horrified of the statistic. I think the last one that destroyed the joint gave us was once every 10 days a woman is killed in Australia. What we're doing right now isn't working. I'm just throwing it out there 
that maybe Judge William Windia was onto something. What a man. But it's so surprising to think of somebody in the 1800s or early 1900s who had taken such a strong stance in protecting the rights of women. So it's any wonder that he had this absolute powerhouse of a woman as his wife who was also getting up and giving the same impassioned pleas and speeches and helping Louisa and the Womanhood Suffragette League of New South Wales in their fight for the right to vote. I'd love to research my family tree and discover that someone like Mary Windial is one of the branches. That's all we've got time for for this week's episode of More Than a Mother. I'll be back next week with another episode with a further look into Louisa's life. If you'd like to be on a future episode, you can always hit me up, Louisa Lawson Podcast at gmail.com. If you've got any questions or you'd like to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, at Jedica is how you do that. If you're liking the podcast, a review would be most welcome. But until next Wednesday, see you, love you, bye.